We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Coming up, the latest on the Kansas City Royals from our team here at KCSN. All of our Royals content is brought to you by KC Strength and Conditioning, experts in baseball and softball training for kids ages 8 to 18. If you're in need, you're in luck. John and his crew have sent hundreds of players to college and the pros. That's KC Strength and Conditioning. And now, it's time for the latest updates on your Kansas City Royals. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield. Jordan Foote and Josh Guys are joining me as always. Gentlemen, I wish we could have recorded after the Chicago series because we'd be having a hell of a lot more fun right now. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an understatement, man. And I was kind of bragging that I'd fixed this team because um, I tweeted and they were like five and five or something. Like it was something very not impressive but i was like oh man the royals are fixed like i saved them and now um, they've come back down to earth so that was not the case that the the winning against the white Sox three games out of four four games is almost cancels out the bitterness of the start because i hate the white Sox. i just hate them (laughs) so to me they won six out of eight in that series more so than three out of four so i'm all right with it if the White Sox weren't like an abomination of a franchise it, this yeah. season, it would feel so much better. Like if yeah. they were actually good, it'd be even better. But still, like to see them win and to win the series the way they did on the Freddie Fermin uh, walk-off <laughs> bunt, uh, a little safety squeeze, like the the cojones on Freddie Fermin to get that down and on Quatrero to make that call in that mm, spot. Um, that, that was really impressive. That series was a ton of fun. Save the the Lucas Giolito game he, he shoved, but you know he's been inconsistent. But he has he has his games. I'm not that worried about it. They got to Lance Land. Um, you know it, it was really nice to see. And then they got a real nice dose of reality heading up to Milwaukee. Got swept. Uh, the offense was still okay in that series outside of the Corbin Burns game, but it's Corbin freaking Burns. Like he's gonna do that. And then Michael Walker of all people shoved it up their ass last night. So there's that. <laughs> Michael Walker, he hasn't been good since like 2016. Isn't there like a long history? But yeah, it's Matheny, right? When he put him in the in yeah. the World Series after he hadn't pitched for like a billion years, and then he got shelled, yeah. and everyone said, "Oh my God, if if we couldn't have predicted that this was going to happen, yeah." And that, that, but then of course he went to the Rays a couple of years ago and got yeah. fixed. So you know, there's that. Irregardlessly, as our buddy Josh would say, we're going to have a good time tonight. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about Salvi's home run heater. Uh, the good of Nick Prado and the what the hell is going on with Brad Keller. And then in those, so obviously the minor league stuff at the very end, like we do every episode. And 
as always, we can't thank Kansas City Strength and Conditioning enough for sponsoring this show. Be sure to check them out. If you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train, one of the best areas in Kansas City to go and train uh, for any for not only baseball and softball, but obviously we are a baseball show, so that's what we're going to go with. Be sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button on all platforms, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. Leave us a five-star review on uh, on the audio platforms as well. So we talked about it a little bit in the open. We I don't have any more, too many more overarching thoughts, uh, but the Royals did take three of four from the Chicago White Sox and then got swept up in Milwaukee, Milwaukee's first place in the NL Central. And then they're out in San Diego right now and got two hit last night by Michael Walker, who took a no-hitter into the eighth inning. Michael Massey breaks that one up. We're recording about 30 minutes or so before first pitch on Tuesday, Brady Singer going against Seth Lugo. I'm not going to try and have any sort of opinion on this game because there's no point considering we don't know what's going to happen. I just want to see a little bit better performance and hope Brady Singer uh, builds off of his last start against the the White Sox when he only gave one run in six innings. A really nice bounce back for him after a couple of rough outings. Seems like he's starting to get back on track to the Brady Singer that we, we've come to know over the last year or so. Do you guys have any other thoughts? I, I I have a thought about the game tonight, and it's because I see in the future, and it's outrage. Everything's bad. Things are going horribly awry in Kansas City. Everybody needs to be fired, and it needs to be shipped down to the studs. Our pets' heads are falling off. Our pets' heads are falling off. Uh, just going back, last week I, I talked about, like, I, I think I made the analogy of, like, going into the A's series where you kind of thought you were going to get your ex to get back together with you just in time for the prom season, and that didn't happen. Um, I, I'm going to build upon that. Uh, so we're still in the prom analogy. The White Sox are like the class cutie that broke up with their ex, right, like just the week before prom. And boy, did you slip right in there opportuni- opportunistically and asked her. She said, yeah, and everything's fine and dandy. Then you went to Milwaukee, and the ex came back to the picture the night before and threw dog poop at you because you're such a stupid person that thought you had a chance to get a problem with the cutie. Uh, that's just the way it feels like. It, it feels like it's down the dumps. Uh, I don't love it. Uh, Joel, you said the offense was fine. It it, it was kind of. Uh, I do have an issue. They had 46 strikeouts in five games, 41 base runners base runners in those games um the starters for all intents and purposes outside of jordan lyles and brad brad keller walking the entire earth uh the other night uh as a total as a unit the starters went 21 and a third innings pitched 14 earned runs over the last four or five games i'm sorry half of those earned runs came from jordan lyles 21 hits 16 walks half of those came from brad keller and only 17 strikeouts so uh, we, we kind of talked about the offense is starting to kind of creep up just for the starters to kind of start creeping down. So trying to get all these cylinders to bang at the same time, but it just seems like they're just trading places. Now they're both at bad levels. So I don't know. It, it's This is going to happen from the rest of the season. I think it's all about tinkering, and it seems like that's been the uh, name of the game so far. So once they kind of get zeroed in, uh, hopefully we'll start seeing some uh, longer stretches of success. Yeah, well, and you look at, they had a mixed bag. Like, the Milwaukee game, they lost 4-3. to Greek, he had an okay game. He only gave yeah. three hits. He struck out five. He was generally pretty good. Um, the bullpen didn't get shelled. It was it was a mostly positive thing. Brady Singer had two walks, four strikeouts, gave up five hits in six innings. That was a not a an elite outing, but for Brady Singer this season, definitely a positive development. Brad Keller 
He walked four in that first start, but he pitched five innings, gave up three hits, struck out four. Then you also have the flip side of it. The offense was striking out a ton. There wasn't great plate discipline. It's capped off by um, the first San Diego game where they had, what, three base runners and two hits all night? Yeah, I think it was. Then you were the only hits. I know that. Yeah, and then they had a walk somewhere in there, too. Um, it was it was not pretty. Um, and this is a not pretty team. Like, we're going to recycle some of the same old talking points, but it's because these are persistent problems. The so starting pitching is going to be a persistent problem. Finding guys to eat up innings, and I don't want to hear the Jordan Lyles thing. Like, I totally understand mm. the logic of, okay, they shouldn't have signed Jordan Lyles. Now look at how bad he is. When they signed him, there was a clear role of he was going to eat up innings. He was going to do this at an appropriate level. Wasn't going to be good. Wasn't going to be a train wreck. He's regressed in almost every form. Like, you look at his numbers. Everything has been bad. This is not what they thought they were going to get. And everyone said, oh, this would have you know, save the team. This is the thing dragging them down. I'm like, well, on a list of reasons, this team is bad this year. He's one of them. He's not the reason. Everyone wants to focus in on him. They want to focus in on Hunter Dozier. They want to focus in on lineup decisions. It is a full complement of that stuff. All the little pieces coming together that make it look bad. I mean, if this was a team that was around 500 and this was holding them back to six or seven games below they were competing for a playoff spot, this would be a lot bigger deal. Um, and I'm not trying to say that they're not forming uh, bad habits, so to speak, of investment, but like this team now is not going to be the the level of investment, the level of backing of guys like Jordan Lyles that I expect to come 2024, 2025. So everyone kind of take a step back. Um, he hasn't been good. He's been objectively poor. The contract is objectively bad right now. There's not one main reason why this team sucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy that <laughs> I don't know why everyone is shocked that the guy that came in with like a career five ERA has like a seven ERA. <laughs> it's like, oh well, I wonder why he isn't performing at Iowa. And the irony of it, and the irony of it is that his outing, I think it was on Tuesday when he went CG and gave up four mm-hmm. runs, yeah. walked up. Yep. It was probably the one of the best starting pitching outings the Royals have gotten all year. Yep. This is exactly what I tweeted, and I got roasted for it. The welcome to Twitter, buddy. <laughs> I'm always going to roast you, Josh. That's fine. Only- I, I'm pretty good on a spigot, if you know what I mean. The uh, the thing, the the take I was kind of working on, and I not quite. This is pretty half baked take territory. So it, it's almost like whatever your take is on Jordan Lyles, you're right. Yeah. Like he has honestly, been, that is probably the best assessment I've heard of Jordan Lyles. Yeah, the contract awful. His numbers, awful. He is here to eat innings. Yep. He's here to be a veteran presence in the locker room. Yep. Maybe he's here to try to rediscover something so maybe he can try to get a contract after this one next year. Yep. I just feel like everything that you can actually throw out there with some kind of reasonable uh, rationale reasoning behind it is right. Yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is at this point. <laughs> I think he started nine games. The Royals have lost all of them. I think yeah, that, yeah. it's one of the first times in big, big league history that that's happened. Very dubious honor there for uh, for number twenty four. <laughs> it's surprising that a Royals pitcher hasn't done that already. I right, you think it'd be Zach Greinke, right? Uh, I was going to say uh, that same which, thing. By the yeah. way, shout out to Zach Greinke, fifth pitcher in Major League history to strike out one thousand unique yeah, yeah. batters. That is so that like that's one of those weird stats that's 
probably doesn't, I don't know how much it means, but it's really cool to see. Yep. I mean, the dude's been around for 20 years. So inevitably that's going to happen. Like he joins like Greg Maddox and Nolan Ryan. Like they're, they're, think about any pitcher that pitched for a really long time and struck out a lot of dudes. They're probably on that list. Uh, but for Grinky, it's another notch in the cap for him that he's been around and still striking guys out. I think he's, he's probably striking out guys at a higher clip this year than he was last year, which is saying something. Uh, just another notch in the belt as he makes his way to Cooperstown in a few years. So pretty cool. e- equally exciting. A road, a good road. Uh, yes, that is big. He'd actually pitched well on the road, which seems to be a, a very rare occurrence these days. So he is back up to almost his 2021 strikeouts per nine. It's at 617 right now. It was 632 back in Houston. It was 480 last year. So the walks are down. Um, he's allowing almost twice as many home runs per nine. So like there's a little bit of noise there. And I don't know. I personally am, I don't want to say concerned, but skeptical about his durability, especially with the forearm stuff last year. And like, he's old and I, I'm just calling it like it is. He, he's an aging pitcher who yeah. might not even be aging. He's maybe an ancient pitcher, especially for a starting guy with that many innings under his belt, but he's going to give you some good home outings. He's going to give you the veteran. I think leadership can be an appropriate word, even though it is sad Greek. He leads a different way than 95% yeah. of anybody, people lead, it's, but it's, everyone. Yeah. it's by example. Definition. It's, he's the living embodiment of leading by example, and yeah. you know, some locker rooms need that guy. Yeah. And I will say, like the you talk about the home run numbers, and part of me doesn't. Like I'm not as worried about that because he's throwing strikes. He's not walking a ton of guys. He's, he's rating the zone. The play. He he is doing what Sweeney and Bove want, which is throw the ball over the plate. Like yeah. I think it was our buddy Alex that jokingly tweeted something like, "You ever rumor that." They're, the Royals are basically like, hey, here's some money. Like, if you give up a first pitch homework, okay, you threw you threw strike one. Cool. That's what we want. Process results, they'll meet at some point. It It is what it is. The fact that the Royals are getting Zach Grinke every fifth day right now, and he's going out there and giving you at least five, six innings, that's what they need. And so that that's what they're going to get, and hopefully they get it for a while. Salvi hit a couple of home runs in Milwaukee. He hit a, a couple of home runs in the... Uh, the Chicago series as well. He just hits them in bunches. Like it yeah. every single time. It feels like he, he'll go two weeks out hitting a home run and then he'll hit six and eight games. Uh the one he hit on Sunday was wild. It was a sinker down that he just took a seven iron to and and hit a four hundred and thirty three feet. His ability to to do that and hit the ball out of those like balls out of the zone that far. Yeah. Like, there aren't many guys in the history of the sport that can do that. Like, Vlad Sr. comes to mind. Salvi's on one of those, like, he's a bad ball. Like, he's a good bad ball hitter. Uh, we, you know, the some of the swing decisions make us want to tear our hair out. But more often than not, he gets the barrel to some of these pitches that not many other dudes do. And there is something to be said for that, that he's made it work. Um, a lot of guys that don't walk like him are awful hitters. And he finds a way to be a league average to above league average hitter, swinging at just about everything. Yeah, it's confounding, yeah. but it works. It, it's the opposite of a Nick Prado, right? <laughs> Nick, yeah. I ain't swinging at that shit, Prado. It's Salvi, I'm swinging at all of that, and he he's hitting 375 in his last four games. Like we just talked about him pretty, um, I don't want to say extensively, but we talked about him last week, and he has two home runs since then. Um, he's up to a 293, 338, 537 slash, a 132 weighted runs created plus. So he continues to 
be great. And that's what we expect out of him, which for a 33-year-old catcher who has that many innings under his belt um, and also has been a part of a lot of bad teams and been dragged down by that, kind of take it for granted a little bit. Um, it's always worth bringing up. I think kind of like on Chiefs podcasts when people say, well, you know, Patrick Mahomes, don't take him for granted. I think Nate Taylor has said that a lot. Kind of the same thing. Like Salvador Perez, obviously nowhere near the the level of a Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the sport, but um, it's it's something that Kansas City should appreciate. And I think that a lot of this production has really come over that last two and a half weeks. Yeah. Um, Joel, you kind of mentioned that he does it in bunches. This is absolutely a bunch. Uh, over the last two and a half weeks is about 40% of his total like plate appearances this this year. Over that time, is seven home runs, a 64.4% hard hit rate. That's crazy. That's crazy town, hard hit rate. Uh, that equated to an 1178 OPS. And like we mentioned last week, he's, had, he's taken walks, a 6.3% walk rate. Uh, Joel, you mentioned pre-show that he hasn't taken one in a week. But prior to that, he was actually seeing pitches. He's only striking out 22% of the time. A lot of this seems somewhat sustainable. I don't know if it's real, but at, at this point in the season, all of that kind of tracks to where his season has gone so far. So it seems like this is uh, at least potentially a new approach, Salvi, or something's changed. Maybe the cloudy vision he talks about always going on here when that kind of pops up. I don't understand that <laughs> even a little bit. Seems very much the opposite, but it was just a very interesting timing. So all of this to say... If this is a new Salvi, all things there keep there seems to be more and more smoke that keeps popping up about potentially trading Salvador Perez. So I bring to the table tonight: Is there a chance to say Salvador Perez gets traded at some point before his contract is up? No, no, not not what should happen. But I don't think there's a chance they do. No, I think he means too much to the organization. Yeah, in more ways than just on field production. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't see them doing that. And I think that once they slap that C on his chest, that was it. Yes. That was the contract. The contract is one thing that JJ talks about wanting to be more transactional. But once they slap that captain sticker on his on his not track, an it's it's done deal. So Salvi is around for the remaining of his at least four seasons and sixty four million dollars over that time. You know what, Mike, there are certain times where you overpay a contract and it really hurts and it's like, God, why did they do that? I don't feel that way about Salvador Perez at all. Even if he not yet. Steep, even if he hits a steep decline, it's like he's already like that contract was worth it to me, regardless. Like yeah. I, I look at it that way no matter what. Um, he earned that contract. I think there's still some of it is paying for the what was it, the six-year, $21 yeah. million dollar that <laughs> yeah. they gave him really right away? Yeah. Like, I think you, like, hey, we'll, we'll kick some money down the back end of your deal. And that first year, the country hit 48 home runs. So, like, he kind of paid for a lot of it right away there. 100%. He still, he, there, there's, there's more value to Salvador Perez than just the on-the-field stuff with this organization, how he conducts himself in the locker room, off the field, in the community, things like that to where I'm not worried about the long term of that contract. I'm just not. Yeah. It just keeps popping up. Like I, I don't Yes. Yeah. Is it too is it too homery of me to say I'm not worried about Salvador Perez's contract? Probably. <laughs> we we should make you think about what you did over break, right? We'll be right back. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button on all platforms. We really appreciate it. We're trying to grow our channel. Uh, hopefully one day we can meet the Chiefs stuff. No, we won't. Sorry. It's a, it's a dream, right? It's a tall right. order, man. It's a really it's tall a... order. Hey, maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> it's, all, it's all you got to tell yourself sometimes, right? Maybe we can stop striking out 13 times because Michael, watch it talking about. Nobody. Damn you, Rays, for fixing Michael Walker. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We'll uh, we'll catch you. We'll next. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about Salvador Perez, and that was great and all, but we really need to address the the elephant in the room on the pitching staff, and it's not Jordan Lyle, surprisingly enough. Uh, Brad Keller threw up. I think Collins what he did yesterday in up. San Diego a stinker is about as nicely as you possibly could say it, and even his last outing against. Chicago, like five innings, four walks, four strikeouts. Only gave up one run, you know. Mm. But man, the the walks are just terrible. And, and then it got worse in San Diego. Eight walks in three and two thirds innings. He threw ninety four pitches. Only had two strikeouts. Somehow he only gave up three runs. Yeah. Like if there is anything you could say about anything positive you could say about Brad Keller is, man, he walks a lot of dudes. But the fact that the ERA is only four point three six is a miracle in and of itself. I don't know what you do with Brad Keller at this point. Because I don't think the walk issues are going to stop in the bullpen, and it feels like malpractice to keep sending him out there every fifth day if he's going to walk the opening, the leadoff batter, just about every inning, it seems like. It's the opposite of what the Royals are trying to do, which is raid the zone, and there are dudes in the minor leagues right now that are actually doing that, and we're going to talk about them on the minor league side here in a little bit that are actually trying to get they're, – they're doing what the organization is asking of them, which is throw strike one and get ahead of hitters. Brad Keller's not doing it. And it's not like he's close on a lot of these pitches. It is non-competitive. I'll show a chart here in a minute. I'll let Josh and Jordan get in here, but 
I, I don't know what you do at this point because it it's not getting any better. Like the, he leads the league in walks by a significant margin right now. Mm. The uh, It's interesting you brought up the White Sox and the San Diego, not that they're, they're obviously his last two starts, but the differences between the two of them is just like the innings pitches, five against Chicago, three, three and two-thirds against San Diego. Both were about the same pitch count, but he was in the zone 35% of the time against the White Sox and 36% of the time against the Padres. The difference is, is the whiffs. The White Sox were just swinging out of their shoes every time they tried to get one squared up, and they were hitting the curveball especially. So that was the difference, and that's the margin, that's the margin of error between you know having a decent start of five, in, five innings and one earned and doing what he did last night. So it's it's not – you can kind of look back at the last start being like, well, maybe something's there. I don't think that it was anything there. I just think it was the, the opponent that was really making his game that night. So uh, that all being said, Brad Keller has pitched for this organization for five and a half seasons. I think – I mean, they're not doing anything this year – to contend or anything. This is an assessment year to figure out what everybody else says. Their pitching staff is hurt. They're, they're turning to bullpen games every five day or every fifth day just to get through the season. There is really no reason to rush any of the minor league guys until they actually are banging down the door, and nobody in AAA is really doing that, especially none on the 40-man. So there's really no reason to actually cut bait with Brad Killer right now. They're going to keep marching them out there, and they kind of should um, to to not only as be a, the right thing as an organization to thank him for his service in these bad Royals teams to actually up his trade value, but to keep coaching him, keep letting him tinker out there on the mound against Major League talent. It's it's something that the Royals need it. He needs it. They both have uh, meeting interests to kind of keep trying to be productive. So why not just keep marching him out there at this point? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, bringing up the trade thing, this is a guy that got rumored significant trade interest at a certain level an offseason, or not an offseason, sorry, a season ago. Less than 12 months ago, teams were calling, hey, you know, Brad Keller's not looking too good, but if if he gets hot a little bit, if we can, you know, get our hands on him and see what we can fix, he has a little bit of club control left. Obviously, that's gone now because he has expired another year of, of service time, but it's a guy that if he does get hot for, let's say they give him three more starts between now and June 1st or whatever the math is going to be, he gets hot for part of that stretch. Or even if it's a month from now, he finds something out on June 15th or June 16th or June 17th and then gets hot for a few starts. All it takes is one team to say, hey, we are a fringe playoff team that wants a little bit of help in our rotation. We want a bit of length. We want someone who can strike guys out. In theory, Brad Keller... Maybe they want some help there. He hasn't been doing that. He's been issuing a ton of walks. If he can get some silver lining in his profile, all it takes is one team. And I remember one of the season, everyone said, oh, the Royals fixed Brad Keller. He, they need to extend him. He's going to be around long-term, or they should trade him for a, a boatload of prospects. Neither one of those are going to happen now. I don't think it's in the best interest of him to be a Royal long-term. I don't think it's in the Royals' best interest to invest in him long-term. With that said, you either write it out, and let him eat up innings the rest of the year before, I hate to say it, but history shows he gets shut down later in the season or runs out of gas a little bit, or you see if he can improve, you let him keep tinkering, and like I don't want to say you throw out the start on Monday, or it wasn't Monday, the, the most recent start, yeah, it was Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to say you throw it out because it was so bad, 
but like he's not going to be quite that bad every time. No, I'm, I'm not. I don't think he's going to be that bad. Yeah, you let him keep working through it. The walks have to get down a very significant amount. Um, but I'm with Josh. Even though it's bad right now, a they don't have a ton of guys that can take that spot or are worthy of taking it, which is uh, more of an indictment on the team than anything else. But two, you see if he can improve just a little bit get that stock going because he has shown to be a little bit hot cold at times. If that hot streak does come at the right time, um, it's going to help the team. There was, there was an article today talking about his comments after the game last night, talking about how much tinkering he's doing uh, about what he did at driveline uh, over the off season. They're kind of messing with the tempo, messing with the grips, messing with the body mechanics, um, messing with velocity and pitch uses and everything. I generally want to. I genuinely want to know the answer to this. Is like, is there such a thing as like too many moving variables? Is it like, yeah, it's paralysis by analysis, right? Or just the fact that like you keep changing things, you keep lighting things up differently. You never know what the constant is going to be. You know what I mean? Like, you never know what part is actually clicking. And so, you, if you keep messing with, I don't know. I there, there has to be a and Zach Bove and and Sweeney and. Uh, that whole group absolutely knows the answer better than me. I just would genuinely like to know is like how much is too much. Are they working on all that at the same time, or are they just kind of taking a step at a time or inning by inning? Really. So I would just be interested in that. Yeah, I, I think the the biggest problem for Keller right now. Maybe I was a little harsh in what I said at first, but I mean, eight walks in a major league game like that's that's unacceptable for any pitcher, let alone a dude that's leading the league. Like mm-hmm. you don't ex- you you don't expect that to happen, but. He can't throw almost any of his secondary pitches for strikes right now. And like I'll yep. I'm gonna pull this up. Yes, look at the curveball, especially this last start. Yeah. It was real bad. I think he threw six in, oh, Jesus. Sixteen curveballs last night. One was in the zone. Yeah. So yeah, here it is. So Brad Keller. If you can see this, if you're watching on YouTube, and for our audio listeners, go and check out on YouTube. We got a baseball savant pitch visualization pulled up. And the red is his forcing fastball, and the gold is his slider. Uh, the There's a lot of green and a lot of blue on the chart as well, and none of them are near the strike zone. I think I see one green dot there, and it's uh, it's about dick high, if we're being honest. Um, that it's He can throw four pitches, and that's great. When you can't put 50% of them in the strike zone, guys, you're just going to lay off them the second they see it out of your hand. And that's going to continue to lead to the walks. And when you can only throw two of them in the strike zone, the minute that there's any sort of pitch recognition there, they're going to tee off. Mm -hmm. So he has to figure out a way, if there's any tinkering he's going to do, is just finding a way to get the changeup in the curveball just to be more than a show-me pitch because that's all it is right now. And I thought we maybe saw a turn when he threw the curveball so much in his first start. But, and he's still throwing it a pretty decent amount. He just can't get it over anywhere close to a strike. So it's it's worth nothing to any hitter. to it, Like, they're not even thinking about that. It's like, all right, I'm going to let him waste all of this crap around the strike zone. And the minute he throws me a fastball, I'm just going to tee off. And mm-hmm. we've seen that throughout the season. I did just notice that in last night's start, his velo was all down across the board by a mile an hour, maybe two on average. So maybe he's just trying to aim too much, and that's I don't know. I'm not here to diagnose. There could be, and you never want to speculate, but there could be an injury in there when velo was down. Lyle's velo was down. Uh, 
It's just something to monitor that yeah. I'm not gonna try. I'm not gonna be on here saying, "Oh, he's hurt," because how the hell would I know? But right. we normally one of the first indicators is seeing velo drop pretty significantly. Do you guys have any more thoughts on Brad Keller before we move on to Nick Prado? I'd like to see spring training Brad Keller right now. Please. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Because that was the Brad Keller I totally bought into. I think that, uh, yeah. that was part of the thing is, like, and I think that's part of where my frustration comes in. It was like, we watched Brad Keller in the spring, and you never seen him pitch that, A, that confidently, yeah. all the stuff yeah. was working, and it's like, hey, maybe this is a guy that you extend beyond this year. Maybe this is somebody that can actually be at the rotation. Now it's like, is he even going to get a major league invite to spring training next year? Like, it's yeah. leading down that path. It, it's crazy how fast things can change in the sport. This sport is and potentially, so, so damn tough. Potentially more discouraging to that is, did, the, did this coaching staff fix him, or did he get this a driveline? If he did get it from this coaching staff, or even if they had any kind of impact on it, then we, it was already a good hire. So, But that's still has yet to be seen. Yeah, exactly. We're going to take our second break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. Easter is just around the corner, and what better way to celebrate the spring season than with a Miki Couture blanket? Whether you're gathering with family for an Easter egg hunt or just enjoying a quiet day at home, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Easter festivities. Made with ultra-soft and luxurious materials, these blankets will keep you cozy and comfortable, while their stylish designs will add a touch of spring to your day. And with a wide range of colors and patterns to choose from, there is a Minky blanket for everyone. So this Easter, make your day even brighter with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket just in time for Easter. Happy Easter from Minky Couture. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. So one of the biggest catalysts for the turnaround on the offensive side over the last few weeks since he came back up to the majors is Nick Prado. Uh, almost a direct correlation to solid offensive days when he is in the lineup somewhere. Uh, we're not going to talk about the three strikeouts that he had yesterday. We're not, not, not even there. It's in the rearview mirror now. Yep. Um, but it was talked about a lot when he came up last year. Like he will, 2021 really fixed things at 35 home runs and brought back up like, oh, this, yeah, I guess this guy actually could be a part of the future. Comes up to the big leagues last year, really struggled, struck out a ton, uh, was swinging either too much or not at all comes up to the big leagues this year after starting year in AAA and was doing a lot of the being too selective and truly living up to the iron swing it at that shit nickname goes back down to AAA and seems like he really made a point to look I need if it's in the zone I need to swing and I need to and it's not just pull side damage it's you know what I'm going to shoot the ball to left field when I really need to there I'm not going to get too pull happy I'm going to still be selective, hunt my pitch, and, and get to it. And you can see it in the the swing percentages and the plate discipline. He's still walking a fair amount, which is a big part of his game, is his knowledge of the strike zone. Striking out around 30%, but it's down from like 37 last year. So, And for him, 30% is perfectly manageable. Like to anywhere in that 25 to 30 range, great. Like I, I'm not going to worry about that because there is swing and miss in his game. That's okay. Like that, there's a lot of guys like that that strike out at that clip, but they're able to do damage when they make contact. And for him, 
he's chasing 6% less than last year. 27.8% out, out of zone swing percentage. This year, 21.6. His uh, swing rate was 45.3% last year, 39% this year. Yeah. His zone contact rate, 76.8% in 2022, 87.1% in 2023. Like, it is, it is so impressive to see him make these changes and to see it actually work in, you know, in real, in real time and almost from jump street that during that second time that he came back up, comes up, I think it was the Minnesota series a few weeks ago and had a three hit game immediately. And two of those hits, he shot a ball to left field and you could see him still doing that, just working on just driving the ball to all fields, working to the gaps. And when he's got an opportunity, then he's going to go bridge. And he, he has two home runs on the season. It's so impressive to see. It's a big part of the reason why the offense is is starting to roll a little bit, um, albeit still semi-inconsistently. But you, when it all comes together, one of the big reasons is Nick Prado was in the lineup and producing. So he is slashing. Nick Prado is slashing 328, 411, 500 with a 154 weighted runs created. Plus, is that he's walking 9.6% of the time. He's striking out 32.9% of the time. In 19 games. And everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people before the season, early in the season, were saying, well, you know, Nick Prado's running out of time. He has to step up. And if he has one bad game, people wanted to give up on him and say he wasn't ready. He's 24 years old. When Drew Waters came over last year at 23 years old, now 24, last year he hit 240. He had a 125 way to runs created plus. He walked 11% of the time. He struck out 37% of the time. Everyone said, oh, man, that was such a strong debut for Drew Waters. He's going to do great things for this club. We need to see what we can do, um, what he can do more in the future. And everyone was so excited for him because they hadn't had that track record. Nick Prado is just as young as him. Like, they're the same numerical age right now. They're just different paths of their baseball journey with the Royals. Um, I get that Nick Prado has been around for a while. I get that he has the prospect profile. I get that he has played a lot of baseball in the Kansas City Royals organization because that's all he's known. But this is a guy that's still young, and he still was going through. He needed this kind of more analytically inclined approach and and this tweaking. He needed that back then when he, quote-unquote, revived his minor league career. He still needs it. He's going to keep tweaking stuff, and he's never going to be this low strikeout guy. Um, he's showing glimpses of the... Nick Prado that the Royals invested in. And I mean, he hit 310 his uh, last nine games. He hit 343 in his first 10. Like, he's been fairly equal, and he started off at a high level. He's producing at a high level now. Um, he's hitting the ball up the middle more now than he ever has. Um, this year, hitting 229 against fastballs, but 500 against breaking pitches, 400 against off speed. Last year, he hit 167 against breaking balls at 108 against off-speed pitches. So I like the approach. Um, he's swinging less in the zone but making more contact, and he's being selective still and being living up to that nickname like Joel mentioned. Um, it's early. Again, 19 games is not going to make a full season for him. Those numbers are going to come down at some point to a certain degree. But I do feel more confident now in Nick Prado than I did, let's say, uh, 30 days ago. I agree, and I think if I'm keeping track, this is like Nick Prado 3.0 at this point. Yeah, at the, uh, basically, career. Yeah. <laughs> he had the reinvention of Nick Prado's, but 
Yeah, you guys mentioned it. The one thing you guys didn't mention off that jumped off the page and something one of the indicators that I always look for when it comes to hitting profiles is his line drive percentage. Uh, right now, the thirty-five percent, thirty-five percent line drive rate. Um, he's got seventy-three plate appearances, and when I take the qualifications for minimum plate appearances to seventy, he is second in the major leagues in line drive percentage, only behind Jesus Sanchez uh, somehow in Miami. But that is huge. That is absolutely nuts. And the fact, Jordan, you brought up the fact that he's absolutely raking his breaking balls and off-speed pitches, that means pitchers are going to start throwing fastballs at him. You know what's going to come after that? Home runs. His power is going to start beaming up. You'll probably see a little bit less for average. But if he's hitting fastballs at that kind of line drive angle, they're going to start going out of the park way more frequently. We're going to see another version of Nick Prado. But I think at this version, we need to start talking about where he needs to hit in the lineup. There was a lot of outrage lately about where Bobby Witt Jr., he needs to be out of the leadoff spot. I think Nick Prado could be a potential candidate for that leadoff spot, especially right now. Um, go with him and then Bobby in the two-hole and Vinny at, at three, Salvi at four. That is a nasty uh, top four in that lineup, a very dangerous top four. And uh, I would be very on board seeing that uh, kind of moving forward just to kind of, if we're throwing, throwing stuff at the wall, why not back Nick Prado? He's got the, I mean, he's going to get the reps. You want him to like, get the reps, uh, why not? It's like having Kyle Schwarber or a George. Schwarber. Yes. Like someone that can do damage. Yep. Like right away. I don't hate that idea. I that yep. would be that would be very hashtag fun. I think when they start getting into the thick of it and the contention window starts opening a little bit, then we start talking about where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. But until until they decide to listen to this podcast, but Nick Prado and the lead off. So I just put Michael Garcia there, please. Yeah, we'll see. Just let Let's please, please let Michael Garcia lead off. <laughs> I love Josh. It's just like, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. Like, I uh, I have thoughts on Michael Garcia that haven't really changed from the last time I talked about Michael Garcia, but, like, seeing everybody else has changed, not not Joel. Not, like, this podcast is still very consistent. Very pro Michael Garcia. What we thought about him. But at the same time, though, like, I hate saying, I apparently love saying small sample size, but like I've said it probably 500 times this season already, people are giving up on the kid because the numbers aren't great. And I'm like, peripherally, you look at Royals Farm Reports Twitter, I don't have the tweet pulled up. He's doing almost everything right. The results just aren't there. Everyone said, oh, the the opening month of the season, I don't want to go on, you know, a long monologue about Michael Garcia, but the offense was bad. And everyone said, okay. The numbers, the peripherals look good. The offense is going to creep up. And now the past few weeks, the offense has been creeping up. They don't want to keep the same energy for a young kid because it's been, you know, X amount of days and Nicky Lopez is going to be back in the lineup soon. And there, there's going to be some fluctuation. Um, but the same role as offense that went from 29th or 30th and Wade Brown's created plus and then had a couple weeks stretch where they were a top five offense in baseball. That's kind of the ebb and flow of the season. I don't think they're either of those. I don't think Michael Garcia was ever going to be the guy that hit the ground running and came out like a tank. I also don't think he's an 81 weighted runs created plus or whatever he is right now. Like, I think eventually he'll be better than that. So, Michael Garcia, here is the tweet from Royals Farm. Uh, well, this is a little arbitrary, but been one of the Royals' two best defenders. I think that's pretty inarguable. inarguable. Second best K rate. Third best hard hit rate, second best chase rate, fourth best line drive rate, and the second worst Babbitt. I don't know. That looks like a leadoff hitter to me, considering Bobby swung at the first pitch tonight and popped out to the first baseman. 
Hey, trying to ambush. Can't get can't get mad at him. There's a combo to be had about him on a future podcast, by the way. Mm. Oh, so by the way, the tweet that I just saw was he's hitting 107 on the first pitch of an at-bat when he swings at Sheesh. Okay. All right, Esky. Let's calm down, buddy. Um, <laughs> All right. Anyway, minor league report. Anyway, minor league report. There's actually, I mean, there's a lot of good things actually going on. I'm not going to, not trying to make too many jokes. Um, if we, we want to talk about a guy that has really struggled, but it's having, but had a, a decent night tonight, Gavin Cross at a home run. That is good to see. Uh, Noah Cameron, he was not on my list of uh, guys to talk about, but tonight, six innings, one strikeout, or one, one walk, 11 strikeouts, no runs, uh, good hits. Yeah, I think that'll play. Get him up. Near, it's nearly, nearly a 40% called strike whiff rate. Uh, that, I think, is he's pretty close to ready. Get him up. What are we doing here, guys? And then another guy that continues to just... I mean, what he, what he's doing right now is a showing what the this organizational philosophy change with pitching, like that it's working, and that there are guys that are talented they're just not close to the big league, so we don't really get to see the fruits of it yet uh, at the big league level. And Anthony Veneziano has a 1.45 ERA in seven starts, 37 in the third innings, 43 strikeouts to four walks. Walks were a huge issue for him last year, 66 in 122 and two-thirds. He's always had the strikeout stuff, but yeah. to have the strikeout stuff without the walks now, massive, massive. Is the velo holding? Still, I I, I need that. to I need to hit up our guy Preston Farr to know because I mm-hmm. I haven't seen any below stuff, uh. But if he's in the mid nineties, like at that least place. like ninety four to ninety six, yep. Uh, that's that would be really nice. I haven't seen anything about it, but I also haven't heard any concerns. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's sort of a no news is good news situation when it comes to that. I remember talking about Veneziano in the offseason. He was a potential Rule 5 casualty, and everybody was wanting to talk about TJ Sykema being the guy that everybody everybody thought Sykema was the guy that had to be added to this 40-man. I was like, Veneziano is one season removed from what he leads. Lead he led the, the, uh, led the Oregon case. Yeah. So uh, he was always a guy that, you know, he had the stuff, and if he put it together, he could turn into a dominant guy with a, with a left hand. Um, and that's always going to be more valuable than a dude with a right hand. So still a little old. He's only 25 years old in double A. So it's probably time to get him up, see what he could do in triple A, especially if he's chugging, you know, only four walks in a year. That is bonkers to me. So get Veneziano up in the law right now and then have Cameron fill it in behind him. That's fine with me. Yeah, I'm with you on all that. To give a hitter spotlight, I don't know how we haven't talked about this guy hardly at all on this show. Mm. Javier Vaz in high A quad cities. He was picked out of Vanderbilt last year. Uh, Alex Duvall and I saw him in the College World Series a couple of years ago. And in within an inning of each other, he laid down a sack bunt that turned into a hit and then made a diving play out in left field. And we looked at each other and went, that's a Royal right there. And very funny when the Royals actually picked him, but it's not like he's, you know, it was a reach or whatever. He's got a 150 winner on straight a plus in high A right now, slashing 304, 389, 481. Purdue without a ton of power. The fact that the slug's up near five, you really got a five on it. That's really nice to see. And he's striking at 7.7% of the time, walking a hell of a lot more than he's, or walking a hell of a lot more than he's striking out. 
He can he can play some middle infield. He can play some corner outfield. So there's some positional versatility. Like and everything about his profile right now is is from this isn't like a fool's gold thing where he's like yeah. Luis Ariasing his way around you know around the big leagues like a lot you know it, it's it is really nice to see right now what he's doing and proving that this could actually be a dude and a top thirty type guy in this organization maybe by midseason if not he'll go to he'll probably go to double A at some point this year and we're looking at a guy that could legitimately play his way out of the big leagues by the end of twenty four. Like, I feel that confident that his batted ball profile, his positional versatility, it, it could work for sure. Speaking of dudes, not to completely derail anything we saw in minor league talk, um, Alec March is slowly beginning to look more and more like yes. the dude that people knew back before he got kind of started getting shelled and had some durability problems, like 3670 RA. He's averaging 11 strikeouts per nine. Um, the walks are down to 2.33 per nine. That plays in six starts, 27 innings pitched. Um, the BABIP is 375. It's like he's ran into some bad luck. He's still getting hit around quite a bit. 245 FIP or FIP. Do you guys say FIP or FIP? I say FIP. FIP. Why don't we say Mar Ebra or Jeff Ebra? WRC Plus, though. Or OPS or Ops. I guess it's fifth. I'm going to go with fifth. I just caught myself. Um, anyway, Alec Marsh is starting to look better. And he's also on that timeline of like, hey, like, tick, tick, tick. It needs to be promotion and then see what you can do at the big league level. And let's see, you know, you can only quote unquote dominate or find yourself or refine yourself or reaffirm what people already thought of you at a level for so long um, before you have to get bumped up. So, the Royals have some positives in their minor league ranks, and Josh, I'm stalling so you can pull up your tweet if you still have it of the Royals' updated organizational pitching ranks, and I think it was strikeouts and walks, and I'm going to keep talking until Josh gets it pulled up because it's a really good tweet. <laughs> oh it. um, okay, so I'm done stalling, and that is my final pitching-related minor league contribution. Josh, take it away. Yeah, the, the one thing that you missed about the Alec Marsh part to me was – Last year, he was also getting hit. The average, our yes. average was also really high, and that's gone down as well. So he's missing bats, not walking guys, and not giving up a high average. Uh, he also only pitched uh, two innings last or his last time out with 14 batters faced. So kind of curious to see what he is next time out, so we'll see about that. But yes, I did. There's no good place to find team rankings as far as like pitching across all minor league categories go so you're gonna have to extrapolate all that manually it's a huge pain in the butt but i did it finally um to figure out where the organization ranks as a whole compared to all the other organizations in the major league baseball throughout their entire minor league rosters and right now the whole organization in the minor leagues ranks fourth in k percentage with 26.9 very chef's kiss for the k rate and then ninth in walk percentage at 11.4 percent that's still really high. I think last year they had like it was a very similar walk rate, and it was like 18th. So I would still like to see that ball or the 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 walks rates down, but relative to the rest of the organizations in baseball, that's still fourth and ninth best between those two uh, rates, and that's huge. Those are both rates that they absolutely struggled with last year. Good to see them bouncing back this year. It's just very very good to see. Encouraging stuff. 
one quick note before we get out of here. We don't have the actual stats because it's complex league and they haven't moved to affiliated ball yet. But it feels like every time we look at the surprise Royals tweet, uh, we see Austin Charles is like two for four with a stolen base and two RBIs, something like that. Um, It's just, I I cannot wait to watch this guy when he goes to Columbia. For those that, that may not know, he was the 20th round pick last year. I don't know how he got to the 20th round. 6'4", 215, plays shortstop, was listed as a two-way player. Sounds mm-hmm. like he's just going to play shortstop and hit for the Royals. There doesn't sound like there's any plans uh, for the Royal for the Royals to let him pitch. Why the hell not? But I, I just I can't wait to see this guy because he just looks like a freak athlete. He seems yep. to be hitting the ball well right now in the complex. I think he's pretty close to ready for affiliated ball. I'm cool with him slow playing it. Uh, he's he's going to be 19, or he'll be, he'll be 19 for this entire season. Uh, he doesn't turn 20 until November, so a lot of time on it, but a guy definitely to keep an eye on because the the little box scores that we've gotten, uh, it's pretty good stuff to see. He's definitely one of those late rounders who are like, oh, okay, I I know exactly where, where we're headed with this, and I think we even speculated a little bit last year that he actually agreed to sign because maybe the Royals did think that he could do some pitching and maybe that had something to do with it. Or maybe he didn't and just wanted to play shortstop and they were like, yeah, giddy up, let's do it. So, so I, I'm interested on them taking a shot on an athlete like that for sure. So his height is really read 6'4 on his bio, but as you read down, he's actually 6'6", 215. I'll just say, I thought he was like 6'7", yeah. Yeah. Um, he was like, oh no. That's fun. Yeah, that's yeah. Cer- certainly fun. And man, if he if he's if he turns into the dude that I think he could be, the Royals could have a really fun prospect on their hands. Yeah, uh, that is going to do it for one Royal Way this week. Thank y'all so much. L- please like and subscribe this video on YouTube if you're watching there. Be sure to leave us five star reviews on Spotify and iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. Leave comments. Leave reviews. Uh, let us know what you guys want to hear moving forward. We appreciate all of the support, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.